Hello, this is the hardcore legend, hardcore legend, hardcore legend, Mick Foley, Mick Foley, Mick Foley, and may I introduce to you... Ladies and gentlemen, I said ladies and gentlemen, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention, pay attention. It's your boy, the coach from the WWE. It's your boy, the coach, it's your boy, the coach from the WWE, WWE, WWE. Hi guys, Santino Marella, Santino Marella here. You I'm friends with Glenn and Chris. And they put together this podcast. Hey, this is Chavo Guerrero Jr. Chavo Guerrero Jr. And you're watching Then, 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 Then Wrestling Connection. Viva la raza! Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Wrestling Connection podcast. We are here for another exciting episode. Thank you very much for joining us on this fine, fine day. We are very grateful that you are here and listening to our voices speak to you about the wacky world of professional wrestling. Hello again everyone, welcome. This is episode number 12, can you believe it? I just made a funny reference that I wish we were recording for, that it's going to be a 60 minute Iron Man match in tonight's main event. Doesn't matter anymore, the moment's passed. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh god, it's a different recording time again, I'm all over the place. I feel like Mm -hmm. it's one of those times where I've been sitting about all day. Do you know what the thing about lazy days is, right? See, when you're sitting working every single day of the week, right, and you're knackered and you're exhausted and you're doing the same thing every day, you're like, oh, I just love a lazy day. Then you get a lazy day and you don't want one because you've been being lazy the past few weeks or whatever. It's horrible. It's just been a miserable day today. How are you? How are you, my friend? Uh, Better than you, mate. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) I'm good. I'm not going to lie. I've had quite a productive day, but yesterday for me, Yesterday was a very lazy day. That was a total pajama mm. day. Uh, you, like I look weird a lot of the time, but when you go out with the dog wearing pajamas, but wellies and a leather oh, nice. jacket, um, plus lockdown hair that blows in the wind, I do yep. kind of look like a washed up T bird that's been electrocuted. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whilst at Glastonbury, hence the wellies. It's uh, it's weird. But yesterday, apart from you know picking up the dog's feces, it was really mm. uh, a profoundly lazy day. Um, whereas today has been active. I've I've been back on the exercise bike. I've been out walking Lovely. with the dog, you know, and um, reading, writing, no arithmetic. Thank, 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 thank. Suddenly you're doing oh. your homework. <laughs> I know, right? No, I just I'm an English teacher. I like to read. I like to write. Yeah. So. Totally. Um, uh, but mate, this week for me, I don't know about you, but uh, it's been most of my free time um, has been consumed by The Last of Us Part Two. Now, I was um, I was assuming yeah. this was going to be the case, and I was going to ask you how the progress is going on the second one because last week you were still replaying the first one. Well, this is the thing, and like you would usually be asking me what wrestling have I been watching this week and I'm just going to say that there's no point I'll ask you that question at one point you know soon but okay. uh, I've not I've not watched any I've not even watched Dynamite this week uh, I've uh, and I feel like a bit of a fraud being here this week despite that <laughs> but no I will see you after there's the end of the episode we'll see you next week thank you everyone see you there uh now nah, like uh I this this so we're, as we're recording this, this is like one of the first days of the summer holidays here in Scotland, and last week was the last week of term. So I have managed to, you know, I had a couple of days in school, 
uh, teaching some primary sevens coming up to the big school. And that was awesome. <laughs> and it feels so good to be back in the classroom, Chris. You have no idea. It was awesome. Uh, but then I had the freedom of the summer holidays. No more work to do. And uh, I've immersed myself in The Last of Us Part 2. And in this past week, I've finished my replay of the original. And I am now... I would. I thought I was only like three hours into the current one, but I'm now nine hours into it, according to Lovely. the timer. Uh, but it's a long, long game, so I don't think I'm even halfway through. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's it's beautiful. It's horrifying. It's traumatic, and it's uh, profound. And I just, you know, I, I ranted a lot about it last week, so I'm not going to go on the same uh, same exact rant that I did last week. But man, it's so good. I really, if you're a gamer or a casual gamer, I'd recommend it turn the lights out, play it, or at least watch a Let's Play video, but there's something so fun about playing it and literally not knowing what's around the next corner and the, the mm. atmosphere that builds up. It's an absolute triumph so far. So that has really been my week. It's been wrestling free and the end of the school term. Um, so yeah, wow. I'm, I'm quite chuffed. Uh, and nobody had to get congregated into an assembly hall to sing Cliff Richard's Summer Holiday, as was tradition when I was at primary school. Did you ever have to do anything <laughs> weird like that? We used uh, to all get stuck into the assembly hall, like, we're all going on a right. I don't think we ha- I think we sang a few times, but it wasn't like a mandatory thing. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, I don't know. I, I think um, I think I liked a, a couple of like the sort of summer traditions, but because it kind of made it feel like that time of year, a bit like Christmas time, you know? Yeah, you would go and yeah, do the yeah. same thing every year and it would make you feel like, oh, it's that time of year. I liked when you were kind of winding down in class. You know what I mean? Like you were doing the same sort of stuff, but maybe not as full on, you know? Yeah. How, in terms of being a teacher, how are you with that? Because I know, um, I'm not going to say how I know this, but I know that your former boss is quite strict that way. How he's like, okay, well, there's no winding down process whatsoever. We're still full on. Yeah. You know what I mean, how, how are just, you in terms well, of that? It's just one of those things where every school's different, I think. And, uh, um, Honestly, it really, I feel like I've not had the same outlook two years in a row. I seem to, like, I know that sounds like a cop out of an answer, but it's really not. Like, I just, every year is different with teaching because every class is different and every kid is different. So it's, um, you know, I could have an attitude over how to act in the last week of term one year and then it totally changes the next year. And then this year I'm in a different school. Yeah, Um, it's going to be totally different. And it almost felt like things were winding up because as term ended, we were allowed to go back in and actually meet kids, you know? Mm. So, um, so you know, ask me again next summer. But don't get me wrong, I like stuff like activities weeks. I like, you know, like last year in my old school, I managed to um, like do a, like a Harry Potter movie marathon in my room one day for a few of the, the kids that I used to have for a Harry Potter club. And that was really fun. Uh, and t- I've taken part in like activities weeks trips. I've gone down to London with the kids to see like Wicked at the West End and do Harry Potter studios. So like I think there's whether you're kind of a disciplinarian and you don't want any kind of enjoyment away from studies, or if you're on the other side of the spectrum and you want it to just be a fun week. I think there's no right or wrong because it totally just depends on the school and every school has a different kind of culture. Not to sound too uh, airy fairy here, but I no. it's uh, really just it really just depends. Uh, but I love it when you can strike a good balance. Like in the last week of term last year, I took part in that London trip to Harry Potter Studios and that was great because it was so fun. Everyone enjoyed it, but there, there, you do gain something. The kids will learn something from being in a film studio, you know, mm. for, for example. Uh, and it's a great experience to go see a West End show live. So, uh, 
you know, for me, I'm all about the fun, but it really just depends. It just depends, Chris. I'm it's just, going to be so totally different. Summer holiday brain. No, I know it's going to be so different next year when you know we're back and we don't have all this downtime. You know, it's literally just been one year where we've had it, but it seems like the norm. So, like, it, it feels so much like the norm that we're sitting there thinking, how are we going to pick mm. back up? You know, so it's going to be very interesting. I wish you nothing but the best in your future endeavors. And that was not a thank you. That was not a way of getting. <laughs> getting you off the show (laughs) (laughs) who's my replacement then eh uh well thank you my dear friend chris what's your week been like have you watched much by the way of wrestling what have you been up to well i i've been watching lots of wrestling as usual and um just the 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 usual you know uh working away but having wrestling on in the background it's the ultimate sort of background noise background little distraction to have on you know i love it um just getting through some pay-per-views and that sort of thing which has been very nice um, but I'd, I'd actually quite like to start off this kind of portion of the episode with a little story, if you don't mind. Oh, please. Um, I love a good story. If you and the listeners would indulge in a little story. So I'd like to uh, cast your mind back to 2011. I um, mm-hmm. a, a very important year in terms of the wrestling industry. And a lot of reasons, you know, that, that could be attested to The Rock's return, or that could have been because of the summer of punk and all these other things that happened in 2011. But... If you remember on Christmas Day of 2000, I don't, I don't know why I said you remember, but I can remember on Christmas Day of 2011. <laughs> I wasn't there, mate. You weren't there. <laughs> we hadn't even met yet, which is funny to think no, about. That's true. Uh, on Christmas Day of 2011, I was uh, I came downstairs and Santa had very nicely left me some presents. And I was opening oh. my presents and there was the Stone Cold Steve Austin Blu-ray. It was uh, called Stone Cold Steve Austin, the bottom line on the most popular WWE superstar of all time. Still a title that I don't agree with. Um, I, not, not that I, I definitely agree that he's the most popular, but I don't think I should be the name of the feckin' Blu-ray, but whatever. Um, it's a bit of a long-winded name, isn't it? It is a bit. And just, why would you not just call it the Stone Cold story or something? I don't know. Or the Stone Cold Truth. That was um, one from I 2003. The, the book, yeah, which wasn't a very good book. Uh, but oh, was I it not really? I never read it. it. It's just... You, because of how significant he is to the industry, you just expect a bit more depth. I think, like, it's really short and it's clearly just been flown together from a few interviews that he's done with the guy who goes right, 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 right. with him. And you get that sometimes with ghostwritten books. Um, like the the first the Hulk Hogan one that came that the WWE put out was the same. Uh, you'd expect just m- more. What I want from Steve Austin is a Mick Foley style autobiography which is dense and with so much life and character to it yeah um, but that's maybe just a personal preference um, God think of the length of his autobiography you know what I mean like I early days fat like you know prime you know on the roster and then post wrestling in terms of all the shows he did and the brewing of his own beer and all that stuff God that'd oh, be yeah. a great read though but it would be um, it would be an awful long book maybe even beat Brett's book for in terms of length who knows Absolutely. Um, so Santa came Santa came and gave me the, the Stone Cold Steve Austin Blu-ray and I believe it was that night, Christmas night, I put that DVD or that Blu-ray in and I was like, okay, here we go. Let's check it out. And in my opinion, that was the best uh, documentary they'd ever produced. And it held that title for about nine years. And let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it has been conquered. Do you know where I'm going with yeah. this? Oh, I do, I do. You're going to take got- me a ride. <laughs> <laughs> a last ride indeed yes uh, it's been conquered ladies and gents by the undertaker who is um recently not himself i'm sure he didn't click publish but he has recently put out a documentary series on the WWE network in case you've been living under a rock and you don't know about this um the undertaker has a documentary series out called the last raid on the WWE network 
and it is like this this revolutionary first time ever you're seeing behind the curtain in terms of his career and his life and everything about him and his family life and that sort of thing. And do you know what I think watching this series that he's been great? You know what I mean? In terms of like the way he's ta- taking you through the story and stuff and the way he's opening up. Like mm, I was worried yeah. at first that he wouldn't be like that because he's not done it ever really, you know? But he's been yeah. a real natural at it, I thought. I don't know. Yeah, this is the thing. We've we spent our lives in our wrestling fandom growing up idolizing The Undertaker and we didn't really at any point realize just how natural and sound a guy Mark seems. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. And I think that comes from the honesty. And I've made this point about Jericho. I've made this point about Bischoff. Um, one of my weaknesses as a person is that I can get too hung up when I look at famous people about, oh, that person might be a Trump voter or this person, like, and you know, this person might not have the same values as me. And I, yeah. I'm pretty confident The Undertaker and I probably would disagree on a lot of things. But that doesn't matter because you see how sincere he's being and anyone can empathize with that story of getting to a point in your life where you need closure and you're trying to find it mm. and like on a human level it doesn't matter who you are or what your values are anyone can understand and appreciate that and that's what that documentary is really in a very beautiful way um put forward this idea of trying to find the right way to say goodbye i, I tell you something like i am um, i'm saying this aware of the fact that on paper you know me uh you know, 29 year old teacher in scotland and mark calloway uh you know near seven foot red-headed um texan who's also a millionaire we probably wouldn't have a lot in common right <laughs> but but the thing is you know this week with just about being the end of term i had to go back to my old school to clear out the last few things uh, that i'd left in the classroom because when the schools shut here in scotland folks we got like a couple of days notice not even that i think we had a day's notice that the schools were going to shut it'd been much suspected that it would happen at some point um and all of my um possessions a lot of them were still left behind so this past week some three months since the school shut i managed to get back in and my last day in the school when the kids were there was actually lovely. Like a lot of the kids still, you know, found the time to get me gifts and were, wrote me letters and it was beautiful. And I, I did have nice. a very beautiful, yeah, like I had a really beautiful last day, but it was never ever the last day that I had kind of anticipated in my mind when I knew I was going to be leaving because this was, that was pre COVID. So then I find myself in an empty school the other day and it's just so like, depressing and a, a place that should be fun and lively and full of excitement for the summer and prom and and all these things are coming uh and it's just like tumbleweed and so I, I gathered on my things my wife helped me out and uh I kind of took one last look at the classroom and it was really emotional for me and I got really kind of teary uh and a part of me just felt like I, I'm, I'm I'm what I'm longing for is like the right sense of closure on this place that's yeah. meant so much to me for two or three years and so when I'm watching The Undertaker even though like I say I'm a 29 year old teacher in Scotland <laughs> and he's a millionaire Texan uh, who wrestles for a living we might not have a lot in common but wrestling connects us and and we were connected through that very common human thing something we all go through at some point we move from one phase for another maybe you leave home maybe you start a new job maybe you um end a relationship and go and and start looking for a new relationship or, or whatever big changes in life require some degree of closure and sometimes we don't always get the story about closure because that's real life real life isn't actually always wrestlemania 26 as if you're Shawn michaels and having yeah. that perfect ending 
more often than not, it's hard to know when the ending is. And now I'm drawn to that quote from Andy Bernard in The Office. I wish somebody would tell you when the good old days is whilst you're, whilst you're living it so that you can know to appreciate it. So you can uh, kind of, yeah, smell the roses a little bit, yeah. Absolutely. And I just think that this series of it, I'm sorry, you brought this up and I'm rambling and making it. No, please, time. please. <laughs> but this this series of The Undertaker is just a beautiful example of A, that longing for closure, which we all can understand. And B, it's just, I, I, I'm always drawn, I always find it quite beautiful. And I'm always drawn to anything that can create that link, that common ground, despite apparent differences on the surface. And I, no, I point again, teacher, millionaire wrestler. Um, maybe we have different political <laughs> values. No, maybe we do. Yeah, but this is it. Like, th- this is a beautiful connection. And that's what I love. We always big this stuff up on this podcast where the wrestling connection or sorry then wrestling wrestling then 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 connection then then (laughs) then wrestling connection then (laughs) (laughs) ah chavo guerrero i love you um so yeah like you're absolutely right uh and i have to say like one of the things that i was reflecting on when we we finally left that school and i was driving away with a few boxes of possessions it was just like the undertaker believe it or not because I felt the same way yeah. that I feel like he must have felt. Like I didn't quite get the closure I wanted, but I still got closure. It just wasn't the Disney fairy tale closure. Yeah. But that's that's, that's life, um, isn't it? That's the lesson of the whole I, thing. That's kind of what I found the most emotional about that series is that at first when we went into the series, we were all excited about the fact that it was like an Undertaker, like a behind the scenes, and it's about his career and that sort of thing. But realistically, at yeah. the end, you're sitting there thinking this is about a journey. And it's about the closure and it's about him trying to find that moment. And it, it, it turned into like more like a sort of personal story rather than a retrospective of a career. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and it absolutely. Just, uh, it turned into this sort of like emotional story that we could all just kind of enjoy one by one, you know? Um, so, I mean, if you've not seen it, it's it's got to be something that you need to check out. I'm sure a lot of wrestling fans who listen to this have definitely watched at least one of the episodes. So mm-hmm. um, now that the series is finished... I'd love everybody to to check out and report back to us on social media what you thought. Uh, on social media, on Instagram, we are at WrestleConnection. And on Twitter, mm-hmm. we are at WrestleConnect1, if you want to get us on there. Yeah. Notice on uh, on both those on those things, we left the the out of the start. That's probably what confused Chavo. Ah, uh, of course. That makes sense now. That's probably it. Um, can I just, like, on, on the last ride, don't you think, like, that this could be one of those rare things that comes out of the WWE or wrestling in general that, you know, could easily be a a success in the mainstream, like on any media, like case in point, there's a Michael Jordan documentary on Netflix that everyone's raving about Mm. and I haven't checked it out. I don't know anything about basketball. As far as I'm concerned, Michael Jordan's the guy that played basketball with Bugs Bunny. But but I feel like if I were to watch it, because it seems to have a very similar, from what I've heard, vibe you know this just like the, the the human behind the star you know what i mean um yeah and i feel like i could show the last right to my mum mm. and she'd she'd appreciate it you know what i mean once you kind of figure out what the nature of pro wrestling is which doesn't really take long to figure out you know i feel like a non-wrestling fan could watch that and feel a great degree of sympathy for the guy totally because it's about him it's not about the yeah. character like we all thought it was going to be you know what i mean it's, it's about mark calloway and I mean, and the last dance is amazing. And I mean, I'm a basketball fan, but it's that same sort of thing where like you're going to go in and you're going to learn about the the, the guy and then like his thought process and his emotions and his work ethic and that sort of thing. It's not similar in terms of like trying to find that closure. He's very, very content with himself. 
But the yeah. story is really interesting about how he... I don't want to spoil anything if you're going to watch it, but about how he feels betrayed by certain people and by certain things and by the organisation. And right. um, he's trying to deal with that rather than leaving the game itself. So, um, yeah, Last Dance is brilliant, but The Last Ride's better. <laughs> Fantastic. But um, anyway, where, where I was going with that Stone Cold thing, right? So, I mean, the whole thing why I brought up the Stone Cold Blu-ray is not only because I, I think it was the best documentary that was conquered, but also because, I don't know if you remember this, how, how many times did you watch that Stone Cold Blu-ray? Or have you seen it? I've only watched it once. Right. So at the end of the Stone Cold Blu-ray, there's this music video that plays, and we go on about wrestling music videos all the time here on the show, and rightfully so, I think I think it's one of the main parts of wrestling that really brings us all together because it's music and it's wrestling and it's retrospective and it's all that sort of stuff, right? So yep. there's this music video at the end of the Stone Cold Blu-ray, and it's called Somewhere Down in Texas by an artist called George Strait. Are you familiar with George right. Strait? Um, I know I'm thinking of Dire Straits. <laughs> no, <laughs> different artist. <laughs> yeah, George. Um, George Strait is this legendary country artist, and they call him King George, and he's the king of country. And um, on that day when I watched the Stone Cold Blu-ray back in 2011, I was like, "God, that was a great song." And I looked up the song, and I kind of downloaded the song on my phone, and it became one of those ones I always listen to. And it's just about this. The, the song is all about you know how I've I've had all these good times. I've been on the road. I've made so many friends. But if you're going to need me, I'm going to be somewhere down in Texas in my home or whatever, right? So it's this perfect right. song for Stone Cold Steve Austin. Um, and because of that, that made me a fan of George Strait. And I just started listening to this legendary artist. And that was the one song, really, that I always went back to because, again, it connected me with wrestling. So yep. uh, a couple of years later, about 2017, I think, I was scrolling through Twitter and uh, I happened to stumble across a video. It was a black and white video, and it was just Mark Calloway sitting in his living room. Um, and 2017, if wrestling fans remember, was the year where he wrestled Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, and he left his hat, his gloves, and his cloak down on the uh, down in like on the ring, and, and walked away. And everyone was like, "All right, that's Undertaker retired then." And for a while, because we didn't see Undertaker again until WrestleMania 34 the year after. So for a while, we were all pretty much, you know. Like, living with the fact that Undertaker had retired, right? Mm-hmm. So this was the time that Undertaker maybe started to open up a little bit, right? Because he was his career was kind of coming to a close, and little did we know he still had a few years left in front of him. But I guess um, when you watch that documentary, you see that that was the intended retirement, but he was so unhappy with his performance, he had to come and rectify that. And that's also why I love the Last Ride story, because it just shows someone who has just got this inner conflict with himself and just trying to prove to himself that he's better than what he's showing, you know? That's yeah. another emotional part of that story. Um, so there's this video I was looking on I was on Twitter and I saw this video and Undertaker is talking about George Strait, this artist that I learned through Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, I remember George Strait because of that. And I click on and the, the interviewer says to the Undertaker, so what's your favourite George Strait song? And Undertaker says, uh, oh, I don't know. I like a lot of them. But right now it's a song called Troubadour. So this is a w- big, long story. But... Uh, I went on to Spotify, like I'm doing right now, and I searched Troubadour by George Strait. Right, that song comes on. I start listening to it, and it's about mm-hmm. this um, this kind of old-timer who is struggling to live with the fact that he's having to walk away from something that he loves. Um, I was a young yeah. troubadour when I walked in, but I'll be a, an old one when I leave. And it's just it's this beautiful song about again that closure. And I remember sitting on my couch in 2017, 
when I saw that video of Undertaker and I said, you know what? What a great song. That would be a perfect song for him to retire with and have like a music video made with this song. Right? Yeah. <laughs> 2017 on my couch saying that. So all these perfect. years come and go and Undertaker's retiring and he's coming back and he's retiring. And there's, there's rumors of this interview going up and rumors of this documentary. And I keep thinking in my head, or even the Hall of Fame, and now I'm like a super George Strait fan. I'm into him. I started a whole series on my YouTube channel on CM42 TV called Straight Sundays. And I'd react every Sunday to a George Strait song. I just became obsessed with this artist. And I loved him. He's one of my favorite musical artists ever now. So I'm always thinking of this song. And that's one of my favorite George Strait songs because Undertaker said it. So last yeah. week I'm sitting there watching the finale of The Last Ride. And at the end of episode five, there's a music video. And watch the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's the song that I said it's Troubadour by George Strait that's the song that they use for Undertaker's retirement music video and I was just like my god is that an epiphany is that a prediction I don't know but I just love the fact that they went to him and they asked what song do you want <laughs> and he was like I like this one called Troubadour by George Strait and they went that's and paid awesome. the money for it and they, they had it and they made the video and it's such an emotional music video and I was yeah, sitting there really nearly is. in tears watching it just being like oh I called this and yeah. it, it was like an extra sense of pride, you know, that I guessed it right. <laughs> oh, totally, man. Like, the, and you're right. That video is so that, that that music video at the end of the 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 last raid final episode is so well done, and, and the the song is a like, much like how you know the Metallica song at the the Boneyard yeah. match matched the context so well. That this song, totally different type of song altogether, uh, matches the fits the message and the theme of that final episode and and the show as a whole. And I tell you what, man, like I don't, I'm not too hugely familiar with George Strait at all. In fact, all like the only song I knew was Troubadour from from its use in this episode. Um, but I am a huge country western fan. Uh, been to see lots of country yeah. western greens. So listen, if uh, George Strait ever finds his way down Glasgow post pandemic, I'm there with you, a, man, because I love that's it. That's a dream. That's a dream gig. That's on like top five dream gigs for me. I got super into George Strait in 2017, and like those two songs, somewhere down in Texas and Troubadour. Because I always find that I don't know about you, but like when there's music and like interviews and films and that sort of thing that kind of relate to wrestling in some way, I'm always like biased towards them. You know, yeah, um, man. Like, uh, like case I, I don't. Point. Oh, we spoke over each other, and then it was an awkward pause. <laughs> <laughs> uh, case in point, mate. Um, there's no Glastonbury Festival this year, so the BBC has been showing a lot of old stuff, and yeah. uh, they showed a few clips from REM is uh, doing a set w- years and years ago. Like they've been split up for a decade now. Um, I know you're going to go with REM. This. Yeah, yeah, I bet you do. Uh, they've got all these great songs like Everybody Hurts and Sidewinder, Losing My Religion, Shiny Happy People. People love these songs, but you tell me, Chris, what's my favorite REM song? Man on the Moon. It is Man on the Moon. Fantastic. <laughs> and why? Why is it my favorite REM song, Chris? Oh, I, it's the same reason why it's my favorite REM song. Um, because he mentions Andy Kaufman and he, he mentions the wrestling match and all these things and I don't know how weird's that <laughs> it's brilliant man it's a great song and obviously the movie with Jim Carrey is fantastic oh. the story of Andy Kaufman and, and yeah just watched it recently and just and fell in love man amazing and then of course that that Netflix documentary from a couple yeah. of years ago uh, was just I love the amazing. food of King and that like honestly I wanted to punch him it's so funny dude but here's the thing right like 
a lot of that I actually already knew because Jerry Lawley speaks about it in his autobiography. It's good to be the king right. sometimes. So I read some of those stories when I was like 13 and I just kind of thought they were lies. But that Jim Carrey's yeah. cool. He wouldn't be like that. But then, then it realized he was like totally taking this method acting to the next level for this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, question, as an actor... What's it like for you watching stuff like that? Like people, like somebody like Jim Carrey, literally like not breaking character at all. Um, what, how do you, how does that kind um, of stuff make you feel? First, first and foremost, it's incredibly fascinating. Like watch, especially Jim Carrey, someone who I admire so much, um, and I and I love mm. so many of his movies. So watching ones like that, you know, I just find them so interesting as a person, and it's it's just good, you know, study you know material you know just trying to learn that thing yeah. but the whole method thing it's never really been my thing i've never really fully understood it um like i because it's a job you're doing you know what i mean yeah. um I, there's so many people that can be that character and can get into that mindset without completely ruining their lives and there's so many horror stories about people dying and people not recovering and people going into horrible you know corridors of of unhappiness and um, mm. because of that method, then I just I don't know. Um, it sits in a weird kind of place in my head. But I told, listen, any method that you want to use to kind of whatever works for you, I'm all for. But to me, it's never been it's never been one for me. What about you in terms of a viewer? As a viewer, well, the, this is the thing because I'm not an actor and I haven't acted since I was a zebra in Noah's Ark uh, in primary <laughs> two. Um, Correctly claimed. <laughs> <laughs> Rotten on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> yeah, not just any zebra. It was a rainbow zebra. Thank you very oh, much. Of rainbow stripes. Um, why, if you were the heavenly creator, you would create something like a rainbow zebra, <laughs> but then still flood the earth? I don't know. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> um, <laughs> what is happening in this episode? <laughs> I know. That's what happens when you record in the evening. So Noah's Ark, no. Where was I? Um, yeah, oh, you're watching, right watching films with method acting, yeah. It's funny, though, because this does have a bearing to wrestling because, like, as a consumer, uh, you know, of film and as somebody who hasn't acted since that amazing role that I landed, um, <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't think I would ever recognize the difference. So it's not something that we right. really appreciate as uneducated audience members. But then you apply that to wrestling and there's so many wrestlers like Steve Austin, for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Day, you know, your character should be you, but just up a couple of notches. So then to a certain degree, you're always method acting. And um, I've, I've heard Chris Jericho say that, you know, throughout his many heel runs, if somebody would uh, approach you on the day of a show and ask him for an autograph or a picture, he'd always say no because he wanted to get into like the yeah. douche, douchebag Jericho character, you know. Um, or what about the one where he's standing in the lift? You heard that story. He's in the elevator, and uh, a dad comes in with his son. He's like, "Hey, Jericho, can you sign this for my kid?" And Jericho just like doesn't answer and just stares at the wall with just no answer, no answer, no answer the whole way up in the lift. And the guy's like mm. almost punching him. <laughs> but there you go. Like, so I guess it's just what what works for the performer. But like, you know, Undertaker, you always look at. <laughs> Sorry, I can't get with that Jericho story. You always, um, you always, uh. <laughs> Look at the Undertaker, and there is a guy who's um, who protected the character for so long. He would never see him at the Hall of Fame ceremony. You know, it would be so unusual to see him like at a UFC show or something. Like, it was so yeah. bizarre to see him. You know, break away from the dead man. That you know, it was special when you did see it, and you almost kind of thought that he was just like that as a guy. <laughs> like, he just yeah. like yeah. the mascara on after he came through the curtain. Swaps about um, his house with eyeliner on and stuff, yeah. 
No, brilliant, man. <laughs> so, like, um, but then, you know, you you watch The Last Ride and it's clear that he's maybe not really much of a method actor because he's running about on a skip, doing skipping on a skip rope, you know, yeah. <laughs> backstage. Yeah. Maybe he doesn't clip in it. Method act. Yeah, but then, the skipping. That's weird. but then I can imagine somebody like Bailey or Sasha, like their stuff has been so good. I can imagine them method acting to a degree. Like, yeah, I don't know, but um, maybe Bray Wyatt, not, maybe. But, yeah, yeah, he seems to be like the kind of natural successor, and you know, I'm you know, he definitely would stay in character in interviews, even with this Firefly Funhouse gimmick. I remember him promoting Hell in the Cell. Um, the infamous Hell in yeah. Cell match with Seth Rollins, and he was in character as as Firefly Funhouse Bray, and then I and then I remember you know Cody when he was Stardust, yeah, yeah he would always stay in character for those interviews, much to his credit, I think. Yeah, really. I mean, Cody's great with promos now. Um, he did a thing recently on Dynamite where it was like the sort of press conference thing with Jake Hager, and uh, he's got Arn Anderson doing his promos and that sort of thing, and Jake Hager walks in with his wife. And as soon as Hager walks in with his wife, Cody reaches over and grabs Brandy's hand to make it look as if it's like it's a husband and wife rivalry with another husband and wife. You know what I mean? It makes it so real <laughs> and it just it gives you that kind of real feeling that we kind of miss sometimes. I don't know. But um, yeah, I, I, in terms of method acting in movies, I think it's different to being in wrestling and in, you know, in a live setting because you know in wrestling, if someone jumps into the ring, and goes to attack you, then you're going to need to break character because you need, you need to yeah. defend yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely. Um, yeah. Interesting. Very, very interesting topic of discussion here. Do you want to um, recommend us a match or since you've not been watching any wrestling this week? I don't know if you'll be able to. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Wrestling. Recommendations. Match of the week. Oh, yeah. I've got a match in mind, but this is the first week that we've done this. I'm just fixing my microphone. This is the first week that we've done this where this is not a match that I've actually watched this week. Oh, I like that. Um, I like that. Let's do it. Yeah, I know. And, and you've always been quite good for that. Like sometimes you go kind of out of field and other times it's stuff you've been watching, like when you were, you know, doing the Armageddon triple threat match. Yeah. Um. So, but this is one that just kind of stuck in my mind and I have very, very, very briefly mentioned it on the show before. But I'm going to give it a little bit of a credit here. Uh, and this is a match which is part of a rivalry, um, which is iconic and well-known and for its time. Uh, but it's maybe not a match that anybody would point to, um, but it seems to just stick out for me. So this is from a Monday Night Raw at the very end of 2003, uh, December 29th, 2003, as a matter of fact. And I'm not yet at this point with my watch along. I'm still kind of late 2002. But this match is Shawn Michaels and Triple H for the World Heavyweight Championship. Triple H is in his very dominant reign mm. uh, as champion. And uh, as far as I am aware, I might be wrong with this, but I think it's in San Antonio, this match. So obviously right. HBK is the big hometown kid. And I, when this match was broadcast, I was not in a position to watch it as it was broadcast like, because we didn't have the Sky TV package and mm. I just wasn't able to watch wrestling at that time. So the first time I got to sit and watch this match, Bell to Bell, I think it was on the Heartbreaking Triumph DVD. I think it was oh, really? one of the matches in that. If not, I think I'd watched it on a dodgy website when I was a teenager, like a, not not Daily Motion, but like a, a video streaming website that isn't YouTube, you know, that, that had yeah. a lot of good like, full matches on it pre-network era. Um, 
And so I remember watching this match and it just was Sean and Triple H at their best. And like their match at SummerSlam 2002 is great because it tells a very, very specific story and it's not marketed as a wrestling match between the two. It's a grudge match and it's violent and it's physical um, and it's awesome. But this is them having a proper wrestling match. And I say this fully admitting that I've never seen the two or three fall matches that they have at Armageddon 2002, which I've never seen it. Never seen it. I'm going to be getting to that soon. And I'm looking forward to it. Um, So I don't know how the match I'm recommending holds up in comparison to a lot of these other hbk triple h matches i'm also thinking of their hell in a cell match which is one of the longest ones in history i think yeah 47 um, minutes yeah god isn't it crazy that we know this stuff <laughs> <laughs> 47 uh, minutes why yeah 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 um how many people are at wrestlemania 17 uh oh god sixty-seven thousand eight hundred twenty-five. 925 <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so that's the only one i know I can't tell you any other attendance number. That's the only one I know. <laughs> 67,000. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, anyway. Have you ever heard Luke Gallows do his impersonation of the Fink? Oh, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. It's brilliant. He does the other guy from WCW. And he goes, shut up, Fink. <laughs> <laughs> so this match is, you know, unlike their SummerSlam match, even though these guys were like bitter enemies at the time, this is more of a wrestling match. Um, and I'm fairly certain like that Ric Flair is at ringside for this one. Uh, and there's probably some, you know, dirty playing, dirty techniques at, at, you know, at hand here. But it is just a great competitive match. And I'm going to spoil the finish, folks. So if you don't want to know, if you want to go and watch it yourself, just, you know, hit the skip button a few times over. And I'll try and keep this concise. Um, so you have been warned. At the end of the match, eventually, HBK gets the super kick and pins Triple H. One, two, three. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your winner and new world heavyweight champion, the Harvard kid, Shawn Michaels. San Antonio goes crazy. You can imagine what Absolutely it was like. Absolutely mental. And, it's, and I remember watching it, a blurry, crappy version of this online, and going, oh my God, this happened. Oh my God, <laughs> I don't remember this. Another title reign for HBK. Uh, and of course, you know, then and one of the best ever strategies of getting heel heat in Shawn Michaels' hometown, Eric Bischoff comes out and switch, switches the decision, does the old dusty finish, as they call it, where they switch the decision because both men's shoulders were on the ground because Shawn Michaels kind of collapsed on Triple H as he pinned That's him. That's right, yeah. Uh, and that makes the match a draw. And in the event of a draw, the title stays with the champion. And it's one of the oldest tricks in the book. WWE have gone bad to the well of that one a hundred times, but I don't care. It was brilliant. And see old stuff like that, like work that has been done and done and overdone. If you do it in the right way, it still works a treat. And what mm-hmm. better recipe? Shawn Michaels in his hometown, I think. And and if he wasn't his hometown, he's still over as hell in this match, but I'm pretty yeah. sure it's San Antonio. Um uh, like it just works perfectly. And uh, do you know what? Like I think a few years ago uh, like years and years ago when I was like a student at university, uh, Jamie was around in my flat and we watched this match uh, together and we both really enjoyed it. And Shawn Michaels got the one, two, three and it was great. And Jamie had never seen it before. Oh, brilliant. And and, and then I just hit, I just turned it off after the one, two, three because I just, 
I just loved the moment so much. And she, Jamie must have said something like, oh, fantastic, what a great match. And I just wanted him to have the joy of thinking that HBK had won Aww. the title. <laughs> so listen, like that was years ago. Jamie, if, if you listen to this, and, and uh, I hope you are, uh, sorry, he didn't hold on to the belt for much. Spoiler! But, you know, wait, I just wanted to preserve the, the joy of that moment, so I just switched it off or changed it to oh, another that's, video that's at that really point. nice. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, you, you speak about... recommendation. The, you speak about those moments where you don't... You can't remember something happening, and you're getting... Even though it's an old clip, you're still getting, you know, really into it. Um, that happened this week for me, where I watched yeah. arguably one of the most underrated pay-per-views of all time, I'm going to say, Backlash 2009. Um, okay. With, uh, they've got that great match between Mike, uh, not Michaels, um, uh, Cena, John Cena, and Edge in a last man standing match. And uh, the finish is Big Show when he, he chokeslams John Cena through this big light up at the Titantron. I don't know if you remember that. It's this mental spot. Yeah, I do. Um, it's crazy. It's just a really, really good show, and there's lots of like, sort of fun matches on it. But earlier in the show, uh, there's a match between Chris Jericho and Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. And, it, and Ricky can really go. And, but it's like a total classic steamboat match where he's doing all these roll-ups and like inside cradles and reversing things into backslide and stuff. And, you know, obviously I'm watching this match going, well, Jericho's obviously going to win. But I remember that Steamboat did like a few other Raw matches afterwards. So I was thinking maybe they were having Steamboat win here and then that would give him some momentum going into the Raw matches. So I totally forgot about the finish. So Steamboat was doing all of this sort of vintage roll-ups and stuff. And I was like thinking, this, I, I, this is it. This is Steamboat's going to beat Jericho. And I was getting into the match, even though it was so many years ago. you know. And that's kind of like the beauty of those kind of spots and that kind of you know suspense in those matches where you don't know what's going to happen. So that's a perfect example of one, as well as the Michaels and Triple H one, where you think something's going to, get, it's going to happen. And it totally you know, uh, surprises you and it makes you go, really? Did that actually happen? So yeah, um, no, that's, that's a good choice. Nice one. So go and watch it, folks. It's December 29th, 2003. Triple H versus Shawn Michaels for the World Heavyweight title in HBK's hometown. Nice. Nice. And kind of speaking about that kind of... um, When it's done right, they can do it over and over again. You'll still get a massive reaction. That kind of leads me nicely onto what I'm thankful for this week in professional wrestling. What I'm thankful for in wrestling this week. Ooh, yeah. So this week, was- uh, I... Sorry, God. <laughs> I was going to say, the, the way that you hung the note there before the jingle, it was almost as if you were trying to match the same note as Kate. <laughs> I could never do that. She's a very, very talented singer, and then there's me, so don't be that. Yeah, okay, um, fair play. So what I'm thankful for this week is very, very simple. Money in the bank cash-ins. Um, oh, good one. Now, I, I'm kind of bringing this up in terms of, you know, when it's done right, you can get that real emotion out of someone. Because I feel like the past few years, it hasn't been the same kind of buzz about it. And I don't know why that is. Maybe it's because it's happened so many times now. Yeah. But um, I've kind of just kind of forgot about the money in the back a lot. And, I, you know, usually it's one of those real pivotal moments of the wrestling year. And I can yeah. tell you at the top of my head without even thinking, you know, what happened, you know. Whereas the last few years, it really, like, they really run together for me. I'm like, who won it when? Like, I just can't remember. When did they cash in? And like, because a lot of the times it was like, I'm, I'm announcing the match and it kind of takes away from it, you know? Um, so earlier on today, uh, on, on recording day, I was watching Extreme Rules 2009 and uh, oh, yeah. Jeff Hardy just beats Edge in a ladder match. Great ladder match. Also on that show, by the way, is uh, Chris Jericho and Rey Mysterio in an Intercontinental title no-holds-barred match. And that would have been my match of the week if it was my turn to recommend this week because what a great match. One underrated match. 
Those guys had so much chemistry. It was unbelievable. And uh, there's a finish where uh, Ray goes for the 619. And the whole story building up to this match is that Jericho wants to take off Mysterio's mask. Yeah. And and Ray goes for the 619. And mid 619, Jericho pulls off his mask and rolls him up and gets the win. Such a good match. Um, totally forgot about it. So that, that would have been my recommendation this week. Um, but also on the show with, with Jeff and Edge having this ladder match, Jeff Hardy finally wins the world title again. Yes, Jeff. Woo! No more words is playing. All the crowd are going mental. We can't believe it's finally happened again. And yeah. then CM Punk comes out and CM Punk cashes in his money in the bank for the second year in a row. And I was watching it and I've, I've watched this cash in a bunch. Um, and I've also watched this one the year before where he does it on Edge. I've watched that a bunch as well. Um, but it's always been in my head that it's been this really cool moment and Punk comes out and GTS 1, 2, 3, that's it. But what I didn't realise, and you kind of said this recently for another segment, is when you realise and you watch other people around and you see them realise what's happening, it's so goosebumpy. There's a, like, there's a moment where like there's this woman in the crowd with this massive Jeff Hardy sign and she's wearing the Jeff Hardy merch, the armbands and the t-shirt and stuff and she's like almost in tears because Jeff's won the title. And when Punk's music comes on, she turns to the Titantron and she kind of realises what's happening. And her face just totally drops. <sighs> and it's that kind of like, people are real, and then you watch people around them, they're kind of like going, oh, oh my God. And like, because it's happened before, like with the, the whole cash-in thing, but still then it was really new, you know? Yeah. Um, even the first one with Edge cashing in on Cena, like they had this thing where Vince came out first and Vince did a whole promo about how the night's not over and here comes Edge to cash in. And it was like spoon-fed. And then the year after, it was the RVD one where he announced he was wrestling Cena. Um, and then and then Edge done it on a SmackDown against Undertaker, which was kind of out of the blue, but it was a kind of heel thing and you weren't. it wasn't like this yeah. big, massive, over-the-top shock thing. Whereas the two punk ones are out of the blue. Like, you don't even see them. You don't even think about them, you know? No. Um, and this one's great. Punk comes out and it, it, it's the start of the punk heel turn. Um, Jeff kicks out of the first GTS and punk has this face like... Uh, that's not supposed to happen. Like it's a money in the bank cash in. You're not meant to kick out. And then uh, Jeff like sort of gives him a small package, and and Gr's going crazy because it's like, oh my god, Jeff's actually going to defend the title and a money in the bank cash in. But then of course Punk wins, and the crowd are just deflated. And what an impact that has! And I just don't know when's the last time that's happened. Obviously, the Ziggler one is probably the best one ever. But yeah. like uh, other than that, like uh, the past five six years, I can't remember a really good shocking cash in. You know. I don't know. Yeah. Do you know, the Ziggler was probably the last time that I was really excited because, you know, the, the part of the fun of Money in the Bank is the excitement of, will it be tonight? Will it be tonight? Mm. And, um, you know, will it be this pay-per-view? Will it be WrestleMania that it happens? But you're absolutely right. It's such a good choice. And it, it's made me think of something. And I wondered if I could share a, a story, which I now realize is quite dear to me for reasons that hopefully I will be able to make clear. And it Please. relates to this this thing that you're thankful for. I am a lifelong wrestling fan and despite that only once in my life have I watched Raw live as it was being broadcast wow when I was 17 um I was on a it was that was like the year I finished up school and uh that same year my dad turned 50 and so my family a bunch like a lot of the extended family went on this ridiculous trip to New York and then it was four days in New York. And then after those four days, my dad and I were going to fly f to California where my cousins stay. Um, 
And then as part of the trip to California, we were going to go to Nevada. And Nevada, of course, is famous for Las Vegas and casinos and stuff. And that's a great place to be, a great place to experience the nightlife and the drinks and stuff. It's a great place to be if you're 21 or over with ID. (laughs) Of course. So we spend four nights in like the casino capital of the world. And I have to stay in the hotel room. Um, and so we get there and, I, and you know, sometimes when you're on holiday, you lose track of what day's what. I had no idea what day it was, um, but we'd had a great day in California and then we'd driven over the Nevada border. Um, and then that night at the hotel, my dad said, right, me and, you know, like all the older members of the family, were all going to go like down to the casino and gamble and have a bunch of drinks and stuff. You can't come. Because you're 17, you can't even walk into it. I remember trying to take a picture of a of a, like a Vegas casino and getting in trouble for trying to just take a picture of one. Really? Like they're so strict on the the laws for for minors uh, over in the states. So I kind of accepted it, and I was I was in no like position to feel bad about it because how privileged is that being taken on a holiday like that to the states? Like you know, for for one night, like for all the older members of the family to go down, like and leave me on my own. I don't have any right to complain. So I bid, bid them farewell and I'm sat in my hotel room alone, kind of not trying to figure out how to get like access to the internet or just something to kind of cure my boredom. And then I realized, holy shiitake mushroom, it's Monday, it's five to nine. I've got all the channels on the TV here. For the first <laughs> time in my life, I can watch Monday Night Raw. Oh my God. And I watched Monday Night Raw and it was the episode where CM Punk cashes in on Edge. Um and uh, I was it is probably one of the most exhilarating wrestling watching wrestling experiences of my life because I can't even recall now objectively how good that episode of Raw is but I remember going on an emotional roller coaster with it from seeing the initial stuff of Edge getting his arse kicked by Batista and then the punk cash and, and I couldn't believe it and I'm going yes I'm screaming at this point I'm 17 and I'm going like who wants to be down in a casino when you could be upstairs exactly. watching Monday Night Raw <laughs> do you know what I mean and uh, like and so so I'm, I'm loving this meanwhile like Las Vegas is happening outside you know <laughs> and I'm, I'm like oh my god this is amazing uh, and then the, the, the episode of the Raw goes on and all I remember is that JBL then challenges Punk that same night on Raw right, after he successfully yeah. catches in so I've gone through the exhilaration and then heart sung I thought oh my god Punk isn't WWE champion material and because I'm still smart at this point Vincent yeah. doesn't like that he's just doing this for a cheap pot JBL's gonna win this is crap but I have to watch it because I have to see it you know it's like a car yeah. crash I can't, I can't not look um, and so I watched it and then of course Punk wins and it was just amazing so then I was convinced when my dad came back to the hotel room that I'd had a better night than him like, <laughs> he goes you know, back and he's talking about all these things that's happened you'd be like yeah but see a Punk cashed in the money to pick <laughs> exactly but to your point man what a great thing to be thankful for it's so exciting and I'm kind of glad that that's the only time I've ever been able to watch Raw live I mean I could do it now if I really wanted to but I'm, I'm too old I'm a boring adult so um like it's just it's just one of those things i loved like that moment and you i have not thought about that memory and and i I, and i don't know how long but you'd mentioning money in the bank cashings and specifically punk just took me back to that night and people think like did you ever have an exciting night in vegas or in a casino (laughs) well kind of but i stayed in the hotel room and i watched seeing punk cashing on an edge and it was one of the best nights of my life you know that's brilliant 
That's a great story. I love things like that. Like we memories. Only time. Do you know what? It's all, oh my god, it's just come back to me as well. It's so funny. It also includes Edge. I was in Florida in two thousand and six, and uh, I remember we were at like the mall. It's not even the mall. It's just like the shopping center, like Asda or somewhere. We've been Walmart, not Asda. <laughs> The Orlando has them. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we're sitting there buying the stuff and I keep looking at the watch and I'm like, oh my God, like we're in America. What time is it? Nine o'clock? Like Raw must be on. So we get back to the villa and, and we put Raw on and it's the the show where Edge wrestles Cena and RVD for the title because RVD just got suspended. That's and right. Edge, okay. And Edge wins the WWE title. And I remember obviously loving Cena and loving Van Damme. And I'm like sitting in, in Orlando and Edge wins the title and I was like, oh man. <laughs> <laughs> holiday ruined <laughs> excellent so, yeah that's that's oh, it's so funny when that happens i did it also when i was in orlando you know recently a couple of years ago and it, it wasn't like an exciting episode i remember rollins and um i think rollins and ziggler had a match maybe rollins and drew and um, it was like the summer of 2018 so they, they were wrestling every week so um i love when you're over there and you can kiss kind of like put it on it's a reasonable hour you know <laughs> it's not like yeah, two in the yeah, morning such a, such a novelty like yeah it's weird it's weird so yeah no good stuff um, and on that note, would you like to take a toilet break, or shall we move on? Do you know what? I think I think I will. I don't feel the urgency, but I feel like if I don't now, by the time we wrap up the podcast, it's going to be like full disclosure, folks. See last week, Chris, when you were wrapping up the pod. Oh my god, I was in so much discomfort. I thought I was going to like have an accident. So do you know what? Let's cue the jingle, have a toilet yeah. break, and we'll be right back. Toilet break. Oh yeah. When you're standing next to me. What was the um I don't Chris, can you hear me? Yeah, what's that song again? Was what is it's the David Otunka theme, but what are the words? Oh, when you're standing next to me. No, 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 no. When you're standing next no. to me. That's it, yeah. Yeah, <sighs> you gotta feel the power. I'm gonna have to look it up now. It goes oh yo, oh yo. When you're standing next to me. Yes. <laughs> yeah, here we go. Right. Here, I've got a wee David Atunga random going on, right? Well, then. We're back, by the way. We're back. Okay, that's fine. I don't care. Um, so, I remember... During the Nexus, they were doing this thing with Otunga, the same thing they did with like that same. I felt like the same dynamic of like I don't know, like the Rock and Farouk in the Nation, where there was this conflict right. brewing between Otunga and Barrett. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and it just seemed to never go anywhere. Now maybe I'm wrong, but I just remember watching clips of early Nexus and seeing like Otunga scowling at Barrett and just thinking, "Man, this guy's cool." He could really be something. And then what happened to him, Chris? Like he's, I know he's, he's I know he's what I know he's been doing, but I know he's been doing like yeah. like panels and commenting and stuff, but he just seemed like such a prospect. And I just felt like they were really grooming him for the mm. the big kind of the big turn on Barrett. But I think, you know, when Barrett's momentum was diminished. Yeah. So the by the extension, so did his. But I just kind of felt like what ought to have happened and not to sound cliched here is that Barrett should have won the WWE championship at some point during that feud. Yeah. And absolutely. I really think Otunga not saying Otunga should have won it off him, but I'm saying he, Otunga could have become a much bigger star. Like what what changed? Same with Alex Riley. Okay. 
Yeah. Oh, doing the stuff in the Miz. Like, he, like, when he turned face and he turned on the Miz and he had those matches, he was in like, the Money in the Bank and he was in like in the main event, kind of six-man tag sort of thing at SummerSlam that year and stuff. Like Everybody was with him. Like Everybody and he had this great theme song and like he had a good look and people liked him and I don't know, and just totally gave up. I don't know, it was weird. Um, but I, I, did, I did not like Otunga one bit. I remember at the time just really? hating him. And then when he, we did the commentary on SmackDown for a bit, and it just made me hate him even more. Oh, <laughs> like I've not, I've never um, ranked. Or you might be able to hear the police nearby my flat. I did. Uh, I did. Scott Steiner. Yeah, yeah. Well, I live in Scott Stin, so that makes sense. <laughs> Hello, if you hear me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, um, I love Scott Steiner because he's just so bonkers. Um, yeah, like uh, Otunga, I, I had a lot of time for. I, I liked him, but I just feel like there was the, the stars never aligned for him. You know how you we, know I mean? we always talk about Taz on this show randomly? No, not yeah. randomly, rightfully so, because Taz is great. Um, yeah. <laughs> on Taz's old podcast, his old radio show, every so I guess every Wednesday, it was the day after SmackDown Live on Tuesday nights, it used to rate Otunga's commentary, and he used to get so angry. Like, you know, Taz is just, like, a angry guy anyway. But, like, mm. any time he would talk about Otunga, he just gets so angry. It was so funny. It would just be like, he's not a colour commentator. He's not. Okay? He's not. <laughs> he just hated Otunga. <laughs> anyway, he seems like a nice chap, though. Yeah, yeah, he does. He does. He's. Um, I don't know if we'd ever ask him to do an introduction for the show, but, no. you know... No, okay. If he wants to, you know, great, you know, great Kali does them. Like, if you if you pay a certain amount of money, great Kali will do uh, an introduction for your show. Or no, not feeling the great Kali. Don't know. Me, I mean, I wouldn't say no. Former world champion, um, but as long as he does it quickly or or, or more quickly than he does walk to the ring, geez, you yeah. Remember you know how what? long it's take him? Oh god, like a lifetime. But I would want to, like, what I'd try and do. If we can get in touch with his whoever represents him, I would like to send the great Kali like a poster of our wonderful artwork done by Jamie Sweeney. Okay. So that he can say you're watching the wrestling connection, but then hold our artwork up upside down. Like the belt. <laughs> yes. What a great idea. Postage would be would be horrible, but we should totally do that. Oh man, right, it's got to happen. I don't know if he actually does. He live in the states or does he live in his his, his uh, native homeland? Punjab. Right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Like, yeah, Google it. <laughs> Google it. Where does the great Kali live? That's how everything starts, right? Remember his uh, interpreter, um, Rajan Singh. He used to go. The great oh, Kali oh, says. <laughs> I used to love it. Do you know? Did you know Neil? You've got this PS2, right? And those SmackDown versus Raw games. If you, I had no idea that if you assigned him as Cali's manager, he would shout and scream um, as the Cali Great Cali wrestled. Really, he was awesome. He was really good. And they did the same thing with uh, Devari as well. They would ah. have him shout and scream. Um, but other characters, like this, is one thing in wrestling games. There are character models for managers that you half the time I forget they're there, like Paul Heyman or Fred Blassie or like Paul Heenan. Paul Barry, absolutely. And you forget that they're they these beautifully rendered models. Here's me talking about gaming again. Um, like, uh, like you just don't appreciate it if you don't, like, this is really niche and nerdy, but if you don't set them as managers, you don't get the chance to play as them. But yeah, yeah. Um, I hope there's a good wrestling video game soon now that I think about it. 
Well, apparently there's not any WWE ones coming any soon, anytime soon, but hopefully they... I don't know who they're going to go with next. Is it going to be someone like EA or something? Because they're not going to go 2K again, surely. Are they done with 2K? For, sh- for sure. They are. Because I know that, I've seen another one that's like an All-Stars game, but like they're not doing yeah. the usual one, I don't think. I think it's more the the developers changed. Um, oh, I see. 2K, right, okay. the, 2K the publisher. I don't, I don't know how okay. gaming works. But um, but yeah, the, because uh, Yuke's kind of died to death mm. uh, and that left it open to... I may be totally wrong here to someone else to try and develop, and they had, and that's why two K twenty was such a disaster. Yeah. It's a shame. It would it'd be good to see like a, a, them kind of bouncing back. It just seems like that franchise has a long history of not giving the fans what they want, and the fans have been very vocal about saying we want a GM mode, we want special referee matches, and they just never seem to put them in. And it just seems baffles me that why would you do that? Is it because you rush out a game every year when maybe if you did one every two years, you would? have yeah. more time to really properly update it. I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting... It's always like at Halloween sort of time, Survivor Series sort of time, isn't it? Like when a new game comes out. So it'll be interesting this year. Yeah. See, I wonder if the AEW one comes out as well. I've heard that's in development, but I don't know who's, who's doing it or whatever. But Here, how's your new PS2 going? It's good, yeah. I've not been playing it as much as I'd like to. Um, and I've not been playing many of the wrestling games. I've been playing uh, the Simpsons games and i played Star Wars Battlefront. Um but, mm. I, but I've not been playing. I, I started Here Comes the Pain and I, I did a career mode on there for a bit, but I've not really gone back to it. But it's going good. I'm looking forward to getting someone over here when quarantine's over and we can do GM mode, you know? Aye, that's a shame. Folks, I recently gifted Chris two copies of WWF oh, yes. Warzone in the hope that one of them would work on now, his PS2. Chris, how did it go? <laughs> I know the answer to this, but... <laughs> They both never worked. But that's the thing. Yeah, I don't cool. think it was it's your disc, though, because I believe there's a setting thing I need to change on the PS2 because it's when the different colour of disc, because um, we talked about it on the Wrestling Video Games episode when there's that, that game series Legends of Wrestling. Um, yeah. The first one is a black disc, and that one doesn't work, but, but Legends of Wrestling 2, which is the silver disc and the clear disc, that works fine, and so does all the other games that are clear discs. But um, then I ordered the ECW Hardcore Revolution game. That doesn't work. That's a black disc. Um, ordered, what else did I order? Another one, it doesn't work because of it. So I'm one. I'm wondering maybe it's something to do with the actual PS2 model. I'm not sure. Okay. I'm going to ask my mate Jamie about this because he he knows a lot about... He, like He's he's like like taking broken consoles and fixed them and oh, stuff. Really? So he may, he may be able to help you with that. I'll, I'll give him a text there. Yeah, please do. And then and let me know, see if I can play some Warzone. Warzone, Warzone, Warzone. Speaking of Warzone, um, on one channel, the Warzone was on, and on another channel back in the 90s, there was another show on at the exact same time, uh, rivaling yeah, I, Warzone. I know what you're doing. And it was called Nitro. And uh, who was in so charge was. of Nitro back in the 90s? I don't... Uh, Shane McMahon. <laughs> Behind the scenes, it was Shane McMahon. No. <laughs> Hang on a second. Oh, this would have been good if I had this prepared. This would have been good if I had this prepared. <laughs> what a great theme song oh, he had. Dude, can I tell you, right? See, when I was in second year at high school, right? Uh... I remember being being an English class. It was my English class actually, um, and uh, there was this kid in the class called Harrison. And I like at this point, every everyone had stopped 
everyone had stopped watching wrestling allegedly because wrestling wasn't cool anymore yeah um so like wrestling was the kind of thing i would speak to robert about privately like but you know, you wouldn't you wouldn't like talk about it widely enough because and i was super self-conscious so when i would have been about uh, 13 or 14 or something at this point uh and i remember there was a bit where at the beginning of the class where you could go and pick a new book like for the first 10 minutes to read if mm. you had uh if you'd like time to move on the books the classroom was a bit noisier at that point before it settled down into reading and i remember just going to pick a new book and that was in my head so i just started going i'm back i'm better than ever and then this harrison kid's just turned around and said why are you singing out of bischoff's theme which doesn't make any sense now that he was trying to mock me for this because he must have been a wrestling yeah. fan to know that that was Eddie Bischoff's theme um so I went bright red and he ridiculed me and everyone laughed at me because I knew what wrestling was and I knew Eddie Bischoff's theme and I, I wish I'd had the brains to use his logic against him saying what do you mean no this is a song I wrote who's Eddie Bischoff and then <laughs> yeah. turn it back on him who's Eddie Bischoff? but then yeah. in my in months to come, I would call him Harrison Cade, much to his um, <laughs> Excellent. displeasure. No, Don't ever know what happened to that kid. That happened to my mate as well. <laughs> someone, something happened and like, someone pulled him up about it. He tried to change it so it was a non-uniform day, right? <laughs> it was a non-uniform day. And he wore Randy Orton's t-shirt to school. And it was the one with the gas mask. This is like 2009 when he was like the right at the start yeah. of Legacy. Had the gas mask t-shirt on, and he, it's a non-uniform day in school, and he comes out in the sort of courtyard bit. And at the time, we had a an on-campus police officer, because I mean, where I where I come from is a pretty bad city, it's a pretty bad town, pretty bad school. And uh, <laughs> the, the, police, the police officer was called PC Pete, and PC Pete was out, you know, doing the rounds and walking around the school and stuff. And he saw Grant with a Randy Orton t-shirt on, and he went, "That's Randy Orton. That's a Randy Orton top. You're wearing Randy Orton." And Grant just like total totally flustered face red was like no it's no no it's no no it's no and he, <laughs> PCP was like so, so you're, just, you're, you're saying someone just copied WWE's design then and Grant in front of everybody was like yeah I got this from next <laughs> <laughs> and I was oh, dying man. I was dying laughing I was like why did you pick next <laughs> places <laughs> it was Randy Orton's t-shirt. Anyway, sorry. Oh, that reminded me. Brilliant. Of that that, that anyway. has delighted me. Well done. Eric Bischoff. We were talking about <laughs> Eric Bischoff. Aye. Uh, is there a jingle for this, Chris? Yeah, there's a jingle. Let's play it. Meet a wrestler. We've met a wrestler in the flesh. Ooh, yeah. Okay, so we are here for Meet a Wrestler this week, and we decided to finally tell the story of the one that we, we uh, had the experience together. Um, and it's one that is, is oh, I, I feel like I think about it a lot, and I don't know why. Like when I think about me a wrestler, this is one of the ones that always comes back to me. And I know Eric Bischoff wasn't a wrestler per se, but a wrestling personality. And uh, yeah. Glenn and I met him at the Garage in Glasgow, which is a world famous nightclub. And I've not been there in ages, and I never thought I'd miss the Garage, but there you go. Um, and uh, this was in 2016, in the summer of 2016. And it was inside the ropes. They were doing a show with Eric Bischoff, and uh, Glenn and I just decided to, you know, we 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 decided to sit together. We met up. We hadn't seen each other in a bit, so it was nice to catch up as well. Um, but I don't really remember anything too over the top happening in this one. I don't know if you have a more specific story, but there is one moment I want to talk about. But you you tell me your point of view of the day. Well, for me at this point, like. Um, this was when it became really clear to me as a wrestling fan that, you know, inside the ropes were really quite something special. 
because if you think about it, you know, as UK wrestling fans, we, you know, never like obviously we had the the WWE and TNA and whatever come over, but you you know to to meet wrestlers uh, was still pretty special to meet a big American wrestler, you know, yeah. or an American wrestling personality in this case, and it's less special now thanks to the success of Inside the Ropes, and that's not a criticism of them. But because they've they've made that into a very successful business model, um, it's more commonplace now to meet these big stars, or at least to have the opportunity to do so. They've recently re- announced their rescheduled date for the Kevin Owens show, and the fact that they're bringing over a contracted WWE star yeah. is a big deal. And it's just a testament to those guys who started off by you know bringing DDP over to a small nightclub and then Colt Cabana. Uh, and gradually building up to like Scott Steiner and Sting, and then it seemed like earlier on that same summer when they finally when they brought over Paul Heyman, and that's a story I'll tell another night, another time. Uh, that you realize that these guys really are something special. They really have managed to tap into something and do it on a level that no one else has done before. Um, so that was a big wrestling year for me because um, I went to the Bischoff show, I went to the Heyman show, Matt Hardy as well. And we had like um, Fear and Loven that year at the Hydro for the first time, plus uh, Ron Smackdown at the oh Hydro my God, for the first yeah. time. So it felt like a big deal for wrestling. And for me, it was just kind of like, that was me kind of, it was, it was just before I met my wife and uh, I was kind of, I'd just gone out of another relationship and it was, like kind of had that kind of young free and single i'm going to do all the things just for me you know that way yeah, people yeah, get yeah, when yeah. you get out of a relationship and so like i was doing a lot of wrestling stuff at that point um and so we'd been to the Heyman show just about it was four or five weeks before this you know it was that the Heyman show was in july and the bishop show was august i'm pretty sure yeah. or september yeah august um, yeah um and uh, and it was really cool because it was a much cheaper show, and uh, Robert and I paid for the, the VIP uh, tickets. And I just remember being really excited for it. For one, I remember it being a really good spoken word show as well. Uh, Robert and I had started a tradition where we'd go to Mango from a, like across the road from the garage beforehand. We did this for ICW shows as well, and we'd mm. we'd have like a big decadence kind of like uh, I think it's is it. Is it Colombian food they do there? I don't know, but it's uh, really good stuff. Anyway, I, I digress. Um, at the Bischoff, at the Heyman show, rather, a few months beforehand, I told, I'd asked Heyman the question about um, how he would book the brand split because it was quite new that the brand split was coming back in the summer of 2016. And Heyman gave a really, really good answer. And I thought, do you know what? I'm going to ask Bischoff the exact same question. Yeah. So during the show, I uh, put my hand up and I got picked again and I asked him the same question. And folks, you can watch Bischoff's answer to that on the Inside the Ropes YouTube channel because they obviously record their own shows and it's there. And uh, you can just hear me saying thank you at the end of the video. But uh, you want to watch it for Bischoff's answer. Again, another really thoughtful one. And the other thing I remember about the... Oh, sorry, carry on. The one at the garage, the, I don't know how many shows they've done at the garage, but it seems like one of the better venues for it because the audience is always huge at the garage. Like we went to the, the recent one for GR, Grill and GR, and it was in this sort of smaller venue. And like to me, yeah. GR is a much bigger star than Eric Bischoff ever was. Um, but obviously GR has come over a bunch of times and stuff, so I guess people maybe don't want to go again to see GR. But I remember yeah. like noticeably going, man, there's a lot of people here for the Bischoff show, you know? Yeah, like, well, case in point, I think they did when I when I met Shawn Michaels, they did that at the garage. I'm, I might be wrong there. I'm pretty sure they did. Right. Um, and I've I've teased a lot a lot of this stuff a lot 
guys, but and I've I've said a lot how most of my interactions with wrestlers are embarrassing. Probably my worst ever one was with Shawn Michaels. Okay. And I don't even know how much I want to say right now, but maybe I'll tell that story next week or some other time. But okay, well, I've I've met Shawn Michaels as well, but at a different time from you, so we can maybe compare stories. Oh, that'd be good, actually. Shall we do that next week? Do, or yeah, like, meet a wrestler, the Shawn Michaels special. Okay. Let's do it, yeah. Because <laughs> I actually knew that you'd met HBK at that other show, but I've never heard your story. Okay. So that'd be cool to do. I digress. Um, but, uh, and just tell me if I'm jumping ahead too much, because I know you brought this to the table and I, you, you know, I, I want to hear your perspective on it as well. But um, it was a great show. And Inside the Rope shows always are good. And one of the reasons... Uh, I think for that is just that uh, Kenny McIntosh as an interviewer doesn't, you know, rehash the same questions you've always heard. That's what I like about like, it. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know him. Like I've met him a few times at shows and just like had a couple of chats with him, like in and around. Um, so like I, I'm not speaking as somebody who knows him. Like, but I do get the impression that he's very conscientious about the kind of approach that he has to the questions that he asks. And I think that's partly why Inside the Ropes has been successful because, you know, you're not going to hear a cliched question. Like they'll cover topics that you're interested in. They'll cover things you want to know about. But if they go to like a cliched area, they'll try and give it a new angle. They, they put a clip on their YouTube channel today about him talking to Mick Foley about the Undertaker Hell in the Cell match. And you can tell they're making a clear effort to put a fresh angle on that. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, like how um, many times have we heard that story? You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. one, it's one of the most told stories ever in wrestling absolutely but then you watch the inside the ropes clip and like i guarantee if you go and watch it they put it on their channel today uh you'll smile because well, it's go. just so well done see i know? never watched and, it i never watched it because i was like oh i've heard it before but now you saying that i want to go watch it you know what i mean absolutely uh and like trust me you will love it there'll be a lot a couple of things that you know of the course, from yeah. it but but like that that's what I uh, I really appreciate about Inside the Ropes is is, is um, everything from like not just the way that Kenny does the interviews on the stage, but even just the way it's run is so professional and it's so like like efficient as the word I would use. Yeah, like obviously things need to move at a certain pace, but you don't feel like you're being rushed at yeah. the same time. What, what I love about um, the show is, I, is that it's like the closest thing I think we are going to get to like the Hall of Fame, you know? And I think like yeah. the Hall of Fame nowadays is just, <laughs> it's gone completely off the rails in terms of like the, the wrestlers and the performers and the inductees don't really stick to any timings and stuff. They just go, go, go. And like, like someone like Larry Sabisco, who I'm sure is a lovely lad, spoke for 52 minutes or something. Do you know what I mean? And it's just like, wow, yeah. it, it gets to the point where you slap your forehead. And I wish, like, back in the day when, when I got the DVDs of WrestleMania and they'd always have the Hall of Fame disc there and, and like, the Bret Hart one and the and the Hulk Hogan one and the Dusty Rhodes and the Ric Flair and the Austin inductions and that. There's legendary footage to have on DVD and I always remember sitting there going, one day I want to go to the Hall of Fame to sit there and hear all these stories. And obviously, you know, you need to be at, you know, WrestleMania weekend for that to happen. But these Inside the Rope shows, I think, are the closest thing we're going to get because we're sitting there, we're, we're so close to the performers. And um, it's not as if it's like a Hall of Fame speech where they're thanking folk. They're literally telling stories, you know, and that's that's what I love about Inside the Ropes. Like, exactly. Um, however, what I will say is that this is the only Inside the Rope show I've ever been to, I think, where the meet and greet was after the show. 
Usually yeah. it's the other way around. Usually you you if you have a VIP ticket, you get to the venue a bit earlier, you meet the star, and then you can take your seat or you can come back later for the show. And uh obviously you pay extra for the VIP and I remember just distinctly at the end of that show, um, like them saying, right, okay, if you've got a VIP, you go and queue at this bit and then uh, you wait to meet him. And I'd met a couple of other people there at that show, like colleagues, former colleagues of mine who were there and who didn't have VIP tickets. And they just jumped in the VIP queue and they met Bischoff and they got a picture, which they still have to this day. Yeah. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, and this is the only time this has ever happened at one of their shows. I'm just thinking, they've clearly, like, there's no way you can possibly police it because nobody's asking to see VIP tickets. Um, I've, I think, did I get a VIP ticket signed? I might have done. Or no, I think I got an 8 by 10 signed. What did I get signed by Bischoff, Chris? Um, I, can't, I can't remember. I, I, think it, I think it was an 8 by 10 I think it was 8 by 10 I think it was. I need to check my folder. God, I don't think I've seen it in years. Oh God. Uh, now, anyway, so is um, my, my memory serving me correctly? Did you did you like get me a VIP ticket or something beforehand? Because I knew I had one going in, but I don't remember buying it myself. Did you get one for me, or did you give me one? Maybe I gave you one. I don't remember now. I don't know. Oh man. <laughs> uh, but. What I will say is, again, it was really efficient and you didn't feel rushed again. And uh, But yeah, I just remember feeling a bit miffed that you know a couple of guys just snuck in and got yeah. VIP. Um, but, um, mainly because as a fan of Inside the Ropes, like that's effectively stealing money from them because really? it was like an extra 30 or 25 quid or whatever for the VIP. And so if you're going to sneak into the queue, you owe them that money. <laughs> like, yeah. um, And it's not fair to the talent. It's not fair to the production and the crew and the staff at um, Inside the Ropes. But yeah, so, but then I queued up and I met Bischoff and I had no idea what I was going to say to him. I'd technically spoken to him earlier in the night by asking that question. Yeah. But then uh, I just said to him, I, I very instantly remembered that he'd been on Austin's podcast talking about the fact that he brews his own beer. That's right. And, and so then I just said, hey, it's great to meet you. Thanks for coming is your beer available over here and, he, and then we just had to be like and you know that way with wrestlers it was maybe the same with the bucks last week you you, you feel like it it lasts for a long time but it's probably only a few seconds yeah. um and that was it in my mind this was like a five minute conversation but i know in my heart of hearts it was about 40 seconds you know what i mean uh but yeah he, he we started talking about craft beers he's like oh yeah are there any good beers in scotland and I'm like yeah there's loads there's this there's that um and and that was it and it was probably one of the very few wrestling personality interactions i've had where i haven't embarrassed myself at least i don't think i have, i did but it was really really nice and uh yeah like i say signed an eight by ten and got a, a cool picture with him which i still have and uh weirdly enough um that picture is still up in the room that used to be my bedroom at my dad's place oh really so every time he has a guest they at their bedside they have to look at a picture of me with Eric Bischoff. <laughs> That's good. Um, I wonder if I like taking pictures of it going, who is this man <laughs> with Glenn? Mm. <laughs> they look at him and go, oh my God, Glenn's dad's now let himself go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Back in 2016, he was so chiseled and handsome. <laughs> That's good. Um, I, I had a similar experience. I um, I remember I went to Brayhead <laughs> of all places early on the day um, with my right. mate, Paul. We went shopping. We must have been going on holiday or something and he had to go and buy something for his holiday. So we went to Brayhead together, 
And uh, mm-hmm. I said, I'm going to go look at HMV to see if there's any DVDs that I can maybe get Bischoff to sign. And uh, I went into HMV and lo and behold, a couple of days earlier, uh, his own DVD was released in the UK. And it was, what's it called? Eric Bischoff, most controversial figure or something like that. It's like the name of the mm-hmm. Blu-ray. And I was like, well, that's a no-brainer. <laughs> so yeah. I bought that and like I bought that the exact same day I met him. Um, I remember I've got a vlog on my hard drive somewhere of me sitting in Paul's car, um, like doing a sort of like, what did I get today sort of haul thing. And I'm like, uh, yes, tonight I'm going to go to see Eric Bischoff and I'm going to get him to sign this DVD. And um, that was the plan. So when I got home, I uh, I got the I got my bag on, I put the new Blu-ray in and I also threw in the Rise and Fall of WCW DVD, which I mm-hmm. have signed already by Kevin Nash, which is another... Oh, cool. Which is one of the weirdest stories I have for me to wrestle, so I need to that someday as well. Um, I'd love to hear that. So I was like, maybe I can try and get that signed by both, but I knew I think on the ticket it said one item signed or whatever, right? So I thought, oh, I'll chance it or whatever. Um, so I thought that'd be a good one to get signed. I wish I had the figure, because I used to like the Eric Bischoff figure that came out in like 2002, because he had the suit on and he had like the jet black hair and yeah. stuff. It was always on like yeah, the back of the other figures, so it was always very nostalgic seeing that one, but I don't have it. Um, so we went to the show. It's actually one of my favourite Inside the Rope shows I've been to. That one and Edge, I think, are my two favourite Inside the Rope shows. Um, I've not been to many. I've not been to as many as you. I've maybe been to like five or six or something, but these are two of my favourites, um, Edge and Eric Bischoff. And just because, I don't know why, maybe just because the style of the show and the, the, the stories he was telling, I didn't know as many of the stories, you know. Um, and, and Bischoff's yeah. a really well-spoken guy. He's a good storyteller. Um, and that's why his podcast has always been so successful. He's had like four podcasts and um, now he's he's got his most popular one, 83 Weeks, with, of course, the god of all podcasts, the podfather, if you will, Conrad T. Yep. Um, which, by the way, I've subscribed to adfreeshows.com, um, which is the sort of Patreon he has for all the exclusive content. And it's really good. You get, you get so much exclusive content. But my only problem is you get all the episodes early. And one of my favorite things about his format is that every day, you've got a new episode and you don't know what it's going to be. You know what I mean? And you go, you go, yeah, oh, it's a new yeah. episode of Grill and GR today. What's it going to be? Oh, it's on King of the Ring 2000. Oh my God, how exciting. But now because it's early, like you get them all like a week early. Like I've got already got the next week's GR episode on my phone right now, you know, and it's not going to be a surprise next week, you know? Oh. Um, whatever. I know it's as if it's a problem. I'm the one paying for it, but you get all the exclusive <laughs> content. Loads and loads of good um, exclusive episodes, which is really cool. Q&As and that sort of thing. So I'd recommend adfreeshows.com. Um, Can I also just chuck in that I would strongly recommend the Inside the Ropes Patreon because I'm a I'm a paying subscriber for that. Uh, great content. I love the Power Slam podcast with Kenny McIntosh and, and Finn Martin, the the man behind oh, Power wow. Slam magazine. I don't know who they do. Yeah, he does it with Kenny. Did you know that? So that they, so they do a main show for free on their normal podcast feed. But if you get Patreon, you get the Power Slam Overrun where they do like an extra episode every week. Um, and he also does the retro pay-per-view reviews with kenny and sandra uh so and they're always in sync with gr so they've also done king of the ring 2000 this week yeah um so i i would really recommend that to you personally chris okay. uh because like the dynamic that i think this the, the the two perspectives of kenny and finn are just work really well they have a good chemistry together well, they, and to anyone listening stuff. to this yeah, they talk about current stuff, and then on the overrun, like which you get on Patreon, they go through the old Power Slam issues and talk about old stories. So oh, this week they were talking about um, Austin's potential return to wrestle the coach in two thousand and five, and it's really, yeah, exactly. It's such a weird story, and so it's uh, what I like about it is because for stories like that, Kenny can 
give his stories about what he was doing as a fan when these things happened or how he remembers these things. And then Finn has all this insider stuff because he's such a humble sounding guy, but he's had such a great career and he's interviewed so many interesting people in wrestling and he is an excellent journalist and an excellent writer. So like the two of them together, they really mingle well as podcasters. Why, um, and like, Why did that happen though? Why, why was the coach almost wrestling Austin in 05? I could tell you, or you could go and become a Patreon member and hear for yourself off uh, inside the ropes. Uh, but um, I think they just wanted Coach to be like a heel character and it was going to be a street fight with Austin and then Coach was booked to win. Austin didn't want to do that. He walked really? out. Um, yeah. And that's when they brought in Vader and uh, Goldust to back him up against Batista. Batista, that's right. Yeah. What a weird yeah. angle that is. Anyway. But yeah. in that in that overrun, Kenny makes the point that that was possibly going to be Austin testing the water to do a Hogan match, was to do the street ah. fight. And because of this uh, ridiculous decision to book him to lose, uh, maybe that didn't happen. See, that's interesting. Like, that story hasn't been told on a greater scale. You know what I mean? By like JR yeah. or whatever, you know? That's like a massive story, Austin nearly coming back. And then, you know, the reason he walked out in 02 is because he didn't want to lose to Brock Lesnar. Never mind the coach, you know? Um that's weird. Yeah, I've never been told in long form. So get get subscribed to Patreon okay. and you can hear the whole story from Finn Martin and Kenny McIntosh. Nice. How about that? Shameless plug. We should really be sponsored by them. My God, the amount of times we talk about them, we should definitely get in contact with them. Yeah, but I have a kind of a running theory, Chris, that they might have one or two more listeners than we do. <laughs> you joke? Really? I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> No, anyway, what were we, what were we talking about again, Eric Bischoff? Uh, so, Aye, yeah. <laughs> so I was up pretty head and I got the DVD. And uh, we went to went to the garage, I met up with you, and uh, we ended up speaking to this other guy. Um, and we were I remember sitting, uh, it happens all the time, it happened with us, that's how we met, you know, you get chatting to other wrestling yeah. fans and you just start bonding over stuff and connecting, if you will. And uh, we were sitting there, and I remember, I don't know why this memory is in my head, but remember before the show, they always play like great music before the show and inside the ropes. Yeah. And uh, Bring Me to Life by Evanescence was playing. And uh, I, I had that one of those sort of weird smarky moments where I turned to you and I was like, oh, they're probably playing this because this was the theme song to No Way Out 2003 when Austin comes back and beats up Eric Bischoff. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's weird. You know that. <laughs> and yeah. I was like, yeah, I know. Um, so because I maybe made that really obscure point, this other guy that was with us, this other random other wrestling fan that we just happened to be speaking to, brought up this kind of obscure point. And he was like, when did this... Th- I can't even remember what he was talking about, but he was like, it was really a really obscure detail that he was looking for the answer for. He couldn't remember something that happened, and he was asking if we knew. And I think you were like, no, I, I don't remember. And he kind of turned and he went, ah, Chris will know. And then, like, asked me, and I was... <laughs> <laughs> it's like I just proven myself that I was like that I knew these random facts. I didn't know the answer to this thing, but like I hadn't even met him before. He was like, "Ah, oh, Chris will know." As if we'd been pals for yeah. like ten years. <laughs> yeah, do you know it was that was weird that show because like I can't remember at what point we started talking to. The, do you know what? You know how I mentioned that Robert and I always go to Mango. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we met that guy there. I think Robert and I. That's right, because Robert and I were eating and drinking. We were talking about wrestling. Um, and he walked in with a wrestling t-shirt and I think his story was that he was actually going to meet somebody to go to the show with who never showed up and he was kind of stood up almost. Right. Um, and so I said to um, him, come and sit with us. 
Well, we well, I came and sat with you for drinks after the show, but not before the show. Um, yeah, but by that point he was already there. Like, yeah. but that's I think we met him before the show. Um, I'm sure he and bought he sat with and everything. I'm sure he went and bought his paints and stuff. I'll tell you, yeah, he did. But I tell you what bothered me about the whole thing. He was nice. He was chatty. He was friendly. Like, and you know, I just, I, I just hated the idea of him like, um, being stood up and not having anyone to chat to at the show. Like, so, and then like, so I, I kind of thought I'd made a friend. And yeah. I remember exchanging details with this guy, and we added each other on Facebook. And I think like the next day, I realized he deleted me. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> and I thought, oh, right, okay, then we're not pals. That's fine then. That's, fine. That's great. You're uh, like, making a new friend, and then no, he's a lie the whole time. Um, yeah, that, so I, mean, I, I don't know. know. It was just it was strange. But then I remember after the show when we went and we were sitting having drinks with him. He was I just because I thought he was with you. I had no idea. I thought he was one of your pals, like part of your group. I guess he was. So did I. And <laughs> so we're sitting there and having drinks afterwards, and he's you are wearing your Bailey T-shirt, I'm sure. And he, yeah, he said right. he said to you, "So Glenn, pal of ten years, who's your favorite wrestler?" And you said Bailey, and he went, "No, but seriously." And you went, "What do you mean seriously? My favorite wrestler's Bailey." And he's like, "No, I mean, stop kidding on." Yeah, and I am. I, I, I don't know if I ever saw him again. I have something in the back of my head that I maybe saw him from a distance again at a show. And I'll tell you something, actually. Inside the Robes did a show with Goldberg in 2017, right. which I went to, not as VIP. I've never met Goldberg, but I was there just kind of general admission. And I think he was sitting in front of me. Oh, really? I don't even remember what he looks like. And, and I, I, in in advance, I fully apologize. Like we've not named the guy, so it's fine. But I apologize anyway if I'm mistaken here. But I think this was him. Uh and the, by the way, one of the reasons we haven't named the guy is because I can't flipping well remember what oh, he was called. Name. I, never got, I, never yeah. name. <laughs> I don't remember at all. Um, and he was hammered, and he was a heckler. Oh and man, he like, like just. He was so drunk that he got to the point that he couldn't even heckle words. Nothing. He lost. just kept going. Nah, nah, hey. well, you know when Goldberg would say something like, <laughs> "You know, oh, there needs to be more selling," and he go, hey, bah, bah, bah. Yeah, "Who's <laughs> next?" <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, and then, like, not next to him. So there was a guy sitting next to him, but like there was a, an empty seat between them. Uh, who was worse? And he heckled so much that. Um, like one of the other audience members of the show told him to shut the F up and then Kenny told him to shut up. This is at the Goldberg show. So yeah, I think I did see that guy one more time. Right. Or it may have just been a guy that looked like him. But yeah, that was one of the more bizarre ones because yeah. I, I think part of me had my feelings hurt that, you know, I felt like, you know, I didn't need to say to you, come over and sit with us. Yeah. And then you decided the next, maybe he was really offended that Bailey was my favorite wrestler. Yeah. Maybe that's what you it was. Maybe head right. The fact you like Bailey, that was so strange. Um, I'd actually forgotten that detail. Thank you for reminding me. Did he not just like disappear at one point as well? Like, did he not just leave? And then I was like, okay, he's gone. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. But um, one of the great. Th this is the problem when you go to these shows and then you end up having too much to drink that you yeah, the finer details are gone. Yeah. Like, after, you know, I remember meeting Bischoff vividly, but yeah. the aftermath is a little bit blurry. Well, when I went in to meet Bischoff, um, it was great. Again, another great experience. You know, meeting a wrestler, but he was he was. Um, like you took the picture first 
and he was like, it was like the handshake picture thing, not like awkward, like yeah. anchor, but like a sort of big kind of handshake, like, yes, let's take the picture. So that's a good one with, with Bischoff. And as I said, your caller ID on my phone is your picture with Bischoff. Um, nice. And uh, after that, yeah, I take out the Bischoff DVD because I thought, that if, you know, that'll make sense to get signed first. He's signing that. And I don't remember how I brought it up, but I, I mentioned his stuff with Austin. And I said, uh, I love the co-GM stuff with Austin about how, remember the time at Judgment Day 2003 when you were up in the skybox carrying on? And uh, mm. Bischoff was just like, yeah, man, it was a lot of fun. We were just drinking beers. And at that moment, I thought about reaching and pick, picking out the uh, Rise and Fall of WCW DVD. But I remember, I'm, obviously it wasn't this big, horrible thing, but I remember someone looking at me, and I don't even know if he was employed by Inside the Robes. It might have just been a large gentleman. Um but I thought it was security and I didn't want to, you know, chance my luck. So I just kind of left it. And at that moment, I just kind of stopped listening. And I was like, all right, thanks. Bye. So I don't remember everything about the experience because I got distracted. Um, but I remember, I remember meeting him and he was nice. And he, he said he was drinking beers with Austin, which I knew because I'd seen the pay-per-view. Um, but, but he was, he was really nice. And I guess that's all you can really ask for in these things because of how many people they go through, you know, um, say they yeah. meet 130 people. You know, that's that's not a bad night. You know, uh, he's only going to say so much to each individual person. So all you can really ask for is that they're nice and they're jovial and they smile and they, you know, they look as if they're interested. You know, not like Ric Flair yeah. or whoever. But um, people should be more like Rick, uh, be more like Roddy Piper and not like Ric Flair, or be more like Eric Bischoff and not like some Shawn Michaels in your case. Um, we no well Shawn Michaels was really good to me. I was the one who right, I- made that embarrassing. Like. Um, We'll go in more into that next week, but are you familiar with how much I potentially screwed that meeting up with Shawn Michaels? I don't think so. You may have told me before, but I don't remember. I'm going to save it for next week. Yeah, let's do, it. Let's do the, the Shawn special next week. I'm, I'm blush, blushing now thinking about it, but yeah, I look forward to telling the story. <laughs> Good. Okay. And that was that was a another beautiful story of meeting a wrestler or, or someone in the wrestling industry that Glenn and I have bonded over and hopefully we have connected with some of you out there. Um, who, if you've ever met Eric Bischoff, please let us know. Get us on, on Instagram at WrestleConnection and get us on Twitter at WrestleConnect1. Uh, and, uh, and also, if you are the strange man who we've befriended that night yes. and who then disappeared like a fart in the wind, uh, let us know. And, and listen, if you want to do an intro for our show, you're more than welcome to do that because that would be hilarious. Yeah. And uh, you can mention the time where you met us. We signed a couple of autographs for you. We took a few pictures. Um you can even ask for a cameo from us. But uh, please get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. And uh, yes, please, if, if any listeners out there want to ask any questions for us for the Wrestle Connection mailbag, please do. Um, we've not had any questions yet, so hopefully we can get some of the questions for next week. We can maybe talk about them and answer all of your queries here on the Wrestling Connection podcast. So on behalf of my friend Glenn and myself, any last words to the listeners, my friend? I'm back. Next week, that is. And better than ever. Uh, Folks, thank you for listening. Have a wonderful week and take care of yourselves.